All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saberson's DFS Office Hours. It is Thursday, June 30th of 2022. Thanks for tuning into the stream here today. If it is your first time watching Saberson's Office Hours, this is a live open Q&A style show where I answer questions from the SaberSim community about how to use SaberSim to build better DFS lineups. If you have questions you want me to answer and you're watching me live, fire away right in the YouTube chat or the Office Hours channel in Slack. Uh, if you don't catch this show live, you pick this up as the recording on YouTube or uh, anywhere this is up as a podcast, you can always get your questions answered as well uh, by emailing us, support at sabersim.com. We're dropping your questions into the Office Hours channel in Slack uh, when we're not live. Uh, that's typically where I start is those Slack questions here. Uh, we've got a few questions already in our queue here for today. I think a good one to start with um, came into me via DM in Slack today here uh, about how to choose stacks to play. Um, I think there's there's quite a bit to unpack there. So we'll start there with that. Uh, I saw another question as well about... Um, Another profit. Another question about our new DFS profit plan, our contest selection framework. Uh, a couple other questions here in Slack as well. So we'll get to everything. Um, as always, you know, drop your questions into the queue now. Get them in here. I answer questions in 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 roughly chronological order. So uh, sooner you get them in, the sooner we get to that kind of stuff here on stream. And uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's jump in. So wanted to start. This was a question from Ari here, uh, and it, he had DM'd me this here. Um, and I think it's a good one to talk about. So about choosing stacks. Um, so let's talk about this here. So it says, I was wondering what the best way to add value to Saberson is when choosing team stacks. Is there anything you specifically do or do you have any ideas or advice on what can be done? So yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways to take this. And I think the first thing to note here is that, you know, because because Saberson is, is beyond what a traditional optimizer does, right? There There is some choosing of team stacks uh, that is is done so in a in a strategic way that happens automatically without you even having to do anything, right? So like when you come in here and you say, hey, I'm building my lineups for, let's go ahead here. I was had a research build set up before the start of this stream. Uh, but you know, when you come in here and say, Hey, I'm building, I'm building my lineups for the four seamer tonight, right? The $4 20 max. And I want to see like, what stacks should I play? Uh, when you come in here and you, you run that build, right? This is an, this is an ownership adjusted and variance adjusted look at the slate already that kind of already makes some strategic decisions. It's not going to say, Oh, well, obviously you just jam all the Wrigley stacks because the winds are blowing out 15 to 15 miles an hour to center in, in Wrigley field, right? This is, this is already taking into account, you know, how does ownership fit in? How does how does pricing fit in? How do these all all these other things fit in? And giving you kind of, I guess, a take almost as a way to look at it or a stance. Um, so I think one of the best ways to figure out, you know, what are the best stacks to play is to just go in and start with a build, a test build and see like what teams are you getting exposure to on Sabersim? And we can look at this and see, you know, you know, Rays, Brewers, right? Then we get that Wrigley Field chalk and then we get a couple of these other teams popping up here as well. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, it's just always worth noting this because I think people, I think it's easy to kind of forget, you know, if you went in and did this with a traditional optimizer, right? Even if you set a stacking rule, all it's going to do is it's going to give you lineups with the highest projected teams, right? And I mean, I think in some ways, maybe that can be helpful, but it's not super helpful because anybody can figure out what the highest projected teams are just by looking at the projections. So First way, you know, how can you get an idea of what the best stacks are to play is just, you know, running a running a build for that particular contest and, and seeing what's out there. Um, another thing that I like to do from there is I like to check on this Fantasy Labs dashboard here, this Vegas dashboard, and just kind of see how Vegas is looking at the slate. And, you know, I do this for a couple of reasons. One, I do this to see, you know, what's the, what, what might the chalk be? What are going to be the more popular plays on this particular slate? But also, are we missing anything? Is there a situation maybe where uh, Vegas is, is much more optimistic or pessimistic on a particular team than we are? Um, and I'll do kind of a quick scan through, you know, one team that does kind of pop out here is the Braves who are dropping quickly, right? seems like they opened a little high for, for going directly against Nola here. We've got them a little bit high, um, but we'll kind of do a quick scan here through here. And I'm just looking for, for discrepancies here. Um, the Blue Jays are another Another one that jumps out, right? Uh, opened at four, four and a half. We have them at four, six. They've come up all the way to five, two. That might be a team that that maybe is a little bit uh, in a better of a hitting environment that we expect. So I'll, I might make some some kind of just quick adjustments here to some of these team totals to account for you know anything that that Vegas is seeing that we're not. Um, 
looks like the Cubs project for a lot better in that wind situation than we're giving them credit for. So I might give them a little bit of a bump there as well. Um, and let's see anything else here. Uh, the A's look like we're a little bit over and so do the Padres here. So might make a couple small adjustments there as well. And basically what this ends up being is kind of like a second opinion. And I think that the Saberson projections themselves will get a lot more dialed in throughout the day. Whenever I pull this up on stream, uh, especially for this particular show, it's always, you know, four or five hours before lock. There's a lot of times for things to update. Um, but if there's particularly a situation where like, um, let's see, let me look you know, particularly a situation where maybe Vegas is like oh, a full half run uh, different than Saberson and moving in the wrong direction. I think that can generally be a pretty good indication that maybe we should make an adjustment there, right? So I might go in here and I think that's a pretty good way to add value, right? This is going to adjust you, the, the way that these teams are projected. So when we come in here and run another build, we can now get kind of a, a second opinion adjusted way of of looking at this particular slate. Um, so now let's now let's bump this, right? Now let's run this again another 20 max build and just see what we're getting. Right. And it doesn't take that long. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's possible too, that, you know, maybe Vegas is overvaluing or undervaluing one of these teams and maybe Saberson is a little bit more in line, but I do think, you know, doing a little bit of a research to get a second opinion on any of these teams, uh, can be a pretty good way to, to add value to, to what teams you're choosing to target here, um, in your, your particular build. So I'm curious what we get out of this. We'll take a look here and then I'll talk about, uh, another way, my probably my favorite way to figure out what stacks I want to play, um, which is the the research build. So, so now let's look. So now all of a sudden, definitely getting the more of those Cub stacks, right? We give them a big healthy boost here. Uh, starting to see some Blue Jays pop up there as well. A little bit less of the the Brewers and Rays. Um, so makes a little bit more sense there as well. Um, the, the next way that I like to kind of figure out, you know, how, how might I figure out what kind of stacks I want to, to get to on this particular slate is with the research build. Um, and what I'll do is once this, this loads here, give this a second. Okay. Uh, I'm going to reset this. I don't, I want to just use the original savers and projections for this. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to run a build and I'm going to turn correlation and ownership off and I'm going to turn sim precision very high. So we're using a single game simulation to set the projections for every single lineup, right? Essentially, we are going to get the optimal lineup of a single slate sim. And I'm going to do this 1,500 times, right? And this is a way, whoa, that was kind of weird. This is a way of basically of visualizing the, the upside of different players on this particular slate. And I will basically run this. And I think for actually for this purposes, I'm going to look, I want to specifically look at five stacks. And I will run this and I will look to see if I can see maybe is there a team that is going over or under owned relative to their percent chance of being the optimal five stack, right? If if I get a five stack in any of these lineups in this research build, it basically means that was the optimal five stack for that particular way the slate could play out. And since I'm doing this 1500 times, I'm getting like a 1500 slate simulation sample of data here. And this is my favorite way to figure out what stacks I want to play. This is, um, I think it's, you know, not necessarily something that you have to do if you're 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 brand new and just getting familiar to Saberson, but I think if you kind of want to take like the next step and and maybe especially start like leveraging against ownership a little bit more, I think this is a great way to do it. So we'll see what happens here. We'll we'll let this build, um, and and go from there. So in the meantime, eight games said the run totals for most teams usually seem to differ. Yeah, and that's that's the point too, right? Like we we believe that we can model these games better than Vegas can on average. If we wanted to just use Vegas as an input, we would. So I, I'm not trying to send the message that you should just go in and update every team total to match Vegas anyway. But if there's a significant discrepancy, sometimes it can it can help. So, and then another good question here as well, what is the benefit in a research build to have zero correlation compared to 10? So because in a research build, I'm trying to look at like the raw SIM data. I want to see, you know, what Without, I just want to look at a single slate simulation and build the best possible lineup for that. Correlation affects the projections of the players used to build each lineup. So you don't end up with kind of like as pure of a result from your research build when you build your lineups if correlation is on. So I instead prefer to do a 0, 0, 010 and then turn a create a five stack to force a five stack in every lineup. 
But let's see what we actually get out of this now here and talk about this. And we'll make two adjustments here just so we can see the lineups. And now let's go and look at the teams, right? And look, let's look at five stacks in particular, right? Um, so Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Tampa Bay, Seattle, Cubs, Pittsburgh, right? I want to, my goal for this is I want to go ahead and look and compare this against Vegas totals and see if there is a team that maybe is being undervalued relative to the field. And one team, let's see. So we have Cubs, Toronto, Brewers, Cincinnati. Um, let's see. Actually, you know, it looks kind of in line here. You know, I mean, I would say one team that kind of jumps out here is is we have Seattle as a 9.3% chance to be the, the best overall five stack, right? Um, kind of comparable to some of these other teams at the top, even better than like the Cubs. Um, that might be a team that I think the, the the field is kind of undervaluing on this particular slate, just based on how well they are scoring here in this, in this particular research build. Um, the Brewers as well, right? We have them as kind of clearly the best team to stack on the slate. Uh, Vegas thinks, you know, they're the fourth best team on the on the slate overall. I think the field will will undervalue them relative to their expectation. So that might be another way that I kind of come in here and and say, you know, that maybe I want to get a little bit of I want to get to some of those brewer stacks or something like that. So I think there's a couple, I think, you know, kind of a few ways to think about this, right? The first is is to remember that Sabersim is giving you kind of an opinionated strategic decision on what teams to stack completely out of the box. You, what I, you don't necessarily have to do anything here. I think you can look at something like Vegas or even other, you know, projection models or other sites content or things like that to get a little bit of a second opinion on particular teams or stacks from there. And then I like to run research builds to get basically an ownership leveraged to, to get some of my own ownership leveraged decisions on what stacks I want to end up looking at. So, but cool. Good question. And Ari, if you're watching, uh, feel free to let me know it, it, or let me know if that, that helped um, answer that question here for you. Um, and let's jump back to Slack here. Uh, and I wanted to hit a couple questions here that were in Slack about the DFS profit plan with the first being this one from Optics, uh, Optimix. And uh, he said, just watch the new DFS profit plan contest selection and bankroll guide. Uh, with this new strategy, is it still advisable to play every slate? That's that's more of a personal question of how many slates you want to play, right? Kind of depends on your, you know, how often you want to be playing DFS. I mean, you know, purely from like a maximizing profit, the the more slates you're in, right? Um, the 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 better. The more opportunities, the more shots on goal you're getting, the more opportunities you're getting to kind of compound that. So yeah, but I mean, there's kind of a life EV decision there as well. You got to decide how many how many slates is it worth me playing. If you mean how many slates per day, like is it advisable to play every baseball slate on the day? Um, our the DFS profit plan for this particular research, this set of research we did, mostly is concerned with main slates. We mostly analyzed main slates uh, in our kind of round two or V2 of, of that research, we want to look a little bit more about the value of spreading out and playing, you know, showdowns, turbos, night slates as a way to augment that. So the, the DFS profit plan for now kind of assumes that you're mostly sticking to main slates. I think you can still apply the concepts to these other slates as you, as you see fit. Um, and in terms of like, how often should you play DFS? That's, that's more, that's, that's mostly a personal question for you. Um, but, and then Luke had said, um, Let's see here. Um, I've been playing 20, 25 cent, $1 three max, $1 single entry and $2 single entry in FanDuel, $11 in play. Uh, does this look good or should I play more in the 25 cent? Um, that looks, uh, well, okay. So it's a little short on the diversifiers. Um, what you know? What I would probably do instead, Luke, is there's there's a five cent contest on FanDuel, and you can 150 max it for seven dollars and fifty cents. I would probably play that because that's going to allow you to get 150 unique lineups in play for seven dollars and fifty cents. 
if you're looking to play $11 a night, that's going to be, you know, just under 75% of your total daily wager share, which is exactly what you want for your diversifiers. And then play like the $1 single entry, the $1 three max from there and like let those be, or the, the one, I guess actually better would probably be the $1 single entry and the $2 single entry. And then you'd be right at about $10 and, and 50 cents um, and play unique lineups into all of those. And that's, that's probably how I would go about doing it just because in, in that situation, right. What I've described, you're getting 152 or 155 unique lineups in play as opposed to 25, right. There's a massive difference in smoothing out your variance there getting 150 lineups in play. So um, remember for the for the diversifier contest, for the 20 max and the 150 max contests, right? Your goal is to fill those lowest to highest entry fee. So you would start with that 5 cent 150 max on, on FanDuel um, first. So, but it does, I mean, it does look like you've got kind of the, the basics of the, the, the system there. So, um, Okay, and then let's look. Average Tuesday had just asked a question in Slack as well. And then I'll hop over to YouTube chat and get to those questions over in YouTube chat here as well. Uh, he said, is there a way to sort sort my current set of lineups, which are sorted by saver score in a different way? If I wanted to see those lineups sorted by salary, for example, is this possible? It looks like sorting by salary currently pulls in a new set of lineups from the pool, which isn't what I'm trying to do. Um, I don't think there is actually at the moment. And I can definitely see why that would be useful. Um, I was going to see if there's kind of a way that you can kind of get to that, but I don't really think there is. Like basically it's almost like a freeze, freeze my 150 and then sort it by salary or freeze my 150 and then sort it by ownership or something like that. Um, I don't think there's a very easy way to do that at the moment. I think it's a great idea. Um, and I will, I will pass that along to the, to the team. Cause I think that I can definitely see why that would be valuable. I would use that. Um, yeah, I, the, the easiest way that I see that, yeah, there's not an easy way to do that, to be honest at the moment. So but I will, I will definitely pass that along because I think that's a good feature request. Um, okay, and then let's keep it going here. Uh, eight game said, I like to dial my projections a lot. If I expect to do this for 150 max, would starting a build at 10-0-10 be good? Um, I, okay, so kind of a few things to unpack here. So first of all, let's start with the ownership fade. So turning ownership fade off. Basically, if you are going to do that, you are basically saying you're getting 100% of your ownership leverage via editing projections or potentially exposures after the builds have been made. So like if that's the case, if you're if you're ownership adjusting projections, if you're adjusting projections partly from the standpoint of ownership, then I think it makes sense. But just be careful, right? When you turn ownership fade off, we're not considering ownership at all anymore when we build your lineup. So you would want to make sure that those ownership you would want to make sure that your projection edits, you know, at least somewhat consider ownership, right? Especially for a 150 max, right? That's, I mean, you should be pretty heavily considering ownership for a contest of that size. So you'd want to make sure that that is, that you're factoring that in there. Um, 10 and 10 here on the other side, like, I think that, I think that's okay. Okay. Um, I mean, one, so Sim Precision 10, I have no problem with that, right? That's going to diversify you pretty significantly. You're going to use a single simulation for every single lineup. Um, and then you, the correlation going up to 10 almost is kind of like a hedge. It, it, the correlation, so at, I guess as, as Sim Precision goes up, right, it has the impact of making correlation less relatively strong relative to Sim Precision. Right. Because, you know, imagine, you know, imagine you pull a, si a simulation here where uh, Aaron Judge hits two home runs and scores 45 points or something like that at Sim Precision 10. Right. Well, in that Sim at Sim Precision 10, that's the only projection used. And he's almost certainly going to be used in the lineup, even if it means you end up not correlating the rest of the lineup out. Right. At Sim Precision 7. Right. That's just, that is a part, that is one simulation used amongst 11 other simulations used. So when, so since his, since his mean projection used for that lineup is likely to be a little bit closer to his actual average, the correlation factor becomes bigger there. And you might not use judge instead to play a Brewers five stack, right? So, um, 
I think it does make sense. I guess the point I'm trying to make, I think, is if you are turning your sim precision slider up from where the defaults are for one reason or another, I do think it makes sense also to turn up the correlation slider a bit to kind of handle that. So all of this to say, I mean, again, I don't know your exact process, and I also don't know why the sliders are doing that. Um, I think it's fine as long as you're handling ownership somewhere in your process. So um, I've actually like, I've built some builds on these kinds of settings before, not to say that these are the the nuts or something like that, but I've, I've built lineups on these settings before when I am making a ton of ownership based adjustments to projections. So, but um, if you are watching this here and you are somewhat new to Saber Sam and you're like, what, why would I build on this? What's going on? Stick to the defaults, right? The, the 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 default projections, the default sliders are going to be better for most players. Uh, but it sounds like in this particular process, if you're doing something, you know, specific there, um, that I, I I don't necessarily see. Like, I don't think it's going to break your build to use that. Cool. Eight game said it sounds like I should use less sim precision. I mean, it's up to you. I build I, I build somewhat frequently on a really high sim precision because I like to play a very diversified portfolio of lineups. So to to avoid a situation where one single sim is breaking my stacks, I will often turn up correlation as well. So, but that that is because I want to be very heavily diversified in my pool. So, uh, okay, let's keep it going here. Uh, AK said... I was rewatching the MMA tutorial with Will. What column or where do I identify the percentage of a player being optimal? Uh, you'll have to run a research build to do that. So you will want to go in here and, oh, cool. We have, um, we have projections up for this week, which is exciting. So what you'll need to, what you'll want to do is come in here, right? And basically build, basically simulate the card 1500 times. That's what this does. Right, this takes a single simulation of the card and builds the optimal for that lineup 1,500 times. And if we do this, we can then look at how often does a fighter show up in one of those optimal lineups across 1,500 simulations. And that will essentially approximate the player's optimal rate in our simulations. So I'm curious how this shakes out here. So... Um, give this just a second here. To build. Okay, cool. So now we're looking at 1500, right? Um, so these are then the optimal rates, right? So Volkanovsky has a 42% chance in a 1500 simulation sample or 1500 sample simulation of the card to end up in the optimal lineup. And then I, I typically like to look for ownership inefficiencies here on these guys from there. So that is how you would do it. Um, eight game said zero correlation will own pitcher versus batter. Uh, no, that is the one exception, um, because of this toggle. So this, this toggle will not allow a lineup to play a batter versus an opposing pitcher. So if you really wanted to turn correlation all the way off, like truly zero, you would want to turn that on. But that would only be for a research build, and I think that's going to have a very minor impact anyway. I, I typically ignore it just because I don't want to accidentally leave it on when it comes time to actually build my lineups. So, Jimmy said, hi, Jordan, can you go over editing player exposures for 20 maxes? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the one thing to note here, right, when it comes to editing player exposures is the default value for sim precision is going to be back-tested and, and optimized for a 20 max contest. And this slider is going to be the biggest factor in determining how much exposure you get to a player by default, right? So I guess what I'm trying to say is that when you build lineups for a 20 max on SaberSim, you are already getting exposures to different pitchers, stacks, et cetera, that we think are appropriate on average for that particular contest. 
anything above and beyond that is really more about your personal risk tolerance or risk aversion for how you want to build your lineups, right? Um, so I'll let these build here and I'll kind of talk a little bit about it, but this is, I can talk about kind of, you know, how you might go about this, but it, it's more going to be about your own personal, like is 50% exposure to one single hitter too much exposure is not a question that I can necessarily answer for everybody. That's going to be the same for everybody, right? I mean, actually, here's a pretty good example right off the bat. It's a it's an interesting slate here tonight where Nola and Gilbert, I think, are kind of clearly the elite options, right? Um, the best two pitchers on the slate. Are you comfortable having 100% exposure to both of those guys? Saberson thinks that's the optimal strategy that's appropriate for a 20 max tonight. Are you comfortable with that? Maybe you're not, right? Maybe at most you want to be just a little bit over the field on both of these guys, right? Well, then you can come in here and set these max exposures and avoid having a situation where you are overwhelmingly exposed to one of these guys or both of these guys, right? So I typically don't like to be too overexposed to any one hitter in baseball because if you look at their ranges of outcomes, right? Joey Votto's most common outcome is, is zero, right? Uh, Matt Olson's most common outcome is zero, right? This is true of most hitters in baseball. So I typically don't like this number to be too large. 35% is fine with me, but um, you know, a lot of times if I come in here and I'm building my lineups and I see that my highest exposure to a batter is, is 50% or something like that, I will typically want to turn that down a little bit. So, but keep in mind that you, you are, you know, already getting kind of you, the default exposures that you're getting, uh, to a particular player on a slate is what we feel is, is appropriate for that contest based on the default sim precision slider already. So. Um, eight game says, can we view only pitcher starting on a slate? Uh, yes, you can. Um, just, you need to turn this little, this little button on here. So if you wanted to, for example, see, uh, all of the pitchers on a slate sorted by salary. You see all these guys that aren't playing. If you click this button, this little eye, hide removed players, and then you'll see only players on that particular slate. Um, you can't do that in the post build process at the moment, which is kind of annoying. So um, I know that I know that's annoying, and we'll we'll we've kind of talking about ways to to change that. Um, so. Stanley says, uh, will Sabre have Sims for summer basketball? Probably not. Probably not. Um, summer, I will tell you what, based on my limited experience for summer league, if you know the starting lineups and keep in mind the summer, the summer league starting lineups sometimes come out like a minute before the game starts. If you have the right lineups, uh, I think you can actually be pretty successful in summer league. Just literally just playing like just the best projected lineups possible with the right starting lineups. Like I, I think it's just so hard to get the right starting lineups and times to build lineups that, that that's, that's the edge. So, um, I know like if you, uh, if you stay on with like beat reporters, people that are actually following them, right. If you're a lot of times, if you are waiting for a news aggregator to pick that up, you're probably going to be too late. But if you have the primary source of the starting lineups for those teams, the beat writers, you can typically do pretty well just having that information. So uh, Tracy said, uh, when you change run totals in MLB, does Sabre adjust projections or does it pull the data from the Sims that match that outcome? Uh, it, well, it does both. So if you adjust, you know, let's go back and say, you know, maybe we're under on the, on the Blue Jays today. So if you adjust them to 5.2, we will basically, we will trim off some of the simulations where the Rays don't score many runs at all until the average of what the runs they score is 5.2 and then adjust all the player projections for the players playing in this game as a whole to what their new mean should be where the mean run totals are 5.2 and 4.6. So it, it, it kind of does... Okay, actually, I get what you're asking here now. So when you do this, it it changes the projections, right? That is what happens. Changing this 
does not ultimately affect the simulations that can be chosen of that game when it comes time to build your lineups. So you still build with the full range of simulations for that game. It's just with the projection, it's just with the projections that have been updated based on this change to the team total. So good question. Right. So we use, we basically we we limit the sims when we're figuring out what those projections are. But when you build your actual lineups, we don't limit the simulations. We just use the new updated custom projections there. Uh, AK said, okay, thank you. So the exposures that come from the research build are considered percentage of optimal. That makes sense. I've always used it. But when that word is thrown around, I felt like I was missing something. Yeah, optimal is weird. It's a weird word in DFS because it. I think it's... It, it is simultaneously used for like the optimal cash build, right? The optimal, as you hear a lot, which is like the average, the highest average projected lineup you can build. And then it's also used, and I most frequently use it on this show as the highest actual scoring lineup that could be built after the slate is done, that optimal. So when you build that research build for MMA, right? Basically you're saying what, like pick a random sim of every fight on the card and make the best scoring lineup you could for that set of sims, right? That's what these are. These are single card simulation optimals. So. Uh, Eight Game says, can we use SaberSim for creating lineups with our own projections for Summer League? Ooh, maybe. Are those slates up? I don't know about that. I'll have to follow up on that. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't remember if last year, if we had, you know, I wonder like, are this, are the slates up yet? When does summer league start? Let's look. Um, NBA. So they're not up yet. Um, I will have to follow up on that. I'm not, I'm not positive. I, I think so. Our goal is to have all the slates up for sports that we support. So I, I like, I think so, but I'm not positive. Don says, what's the best way to make mass exposure changes? For example, how would I set the pitcher max exposure to 40% for MLB? Um, I mean, so there's, there's not like a very easy way to do that for everything all at once. Uh, I mean, one thing for pit pitchers is like pretty easy that like you can, there's, there's only so many of them on the slate that you could like kind of do this pretty quickly, right? Like this wouldn't be too bad for hitters. It's a lot harder. Um, you know, one thing that I think you can just do is, you know, if you're comfortable with that being a global max exposure is just set it here. Right. And then you'll have a global mass exposure, max exposure for 40%. Right. That's a simple thing to do. Um, another thing you can do if you have the advanced plan is just download the player projections and then re-upload, set the max exposures there in Excel and then re-upload them. And I think that can save a little bit of time. We are planning on adding basically this max exposure, but separated for pitchers and hitters in the future. So that would be an easier way to do it. But I would say, you know, for now, if you just want to do 40% all pitchers, I would say, you know, it, it's probably pretty quick to just do it for everything or use this and just set it as a global max exposure instead. So. Um, cool. Yeah. So average Tuesday mentioned, it looks like it's possible on review mode in past slates, but not on current builds. Yeah. Um, and we have, yeah, that's review mode does basically exactly that, but for actual score. So I think we should be able to borrow that logic and let people do it there. Um, so should be able to make something work there, but uh, Safo, I'm not really sure what you're referring to. Current set, you mean in the middle of the slate? I'm not sure what you're referring to there. Um, I might have said something. Let me know what you mean. Oh, current, I, you're talking to Average Tuesday. I see. Um, 
yeah, no, I I think he's talking he's talking about like his lineups, right? So if you have a pool of five hundred and you want to sort sort your top twenty, but only your top twenty by salary, that's basically what he's referring to. Sorry. Um, cool. What other questions do we have here today? We're all caught up at the moment here. Um, I'll wait for a couple minutes for for other questions to roll in. In the meantime, I will mention I know I had teased yesterday that the how to beat D, uh, how to beat tennis DFS video would be coming out yesterday afternoon. Uh, I recorded that whole thing for you guys. I got it all done, and I realized I had the wrong input device set on my recording software, so I had no audio for the whole thing, which was a bit of a bummer. So I wasn't able to get that out yesterday, but that will go out today. Um, so that is all done. It should have that out today. For those of you that have been following along with Behind the Sims, um, we will have a new episode of Behind the Sims going out today as well. Uh, For those of you that don't know what that is, um, Behind the Sims is our new podcast where you get an opportunity to kind of listen to our uh, real internal conversations and discussions and meetings as we do um, research and build out new features and adjust our models and backtest sliders and all kinds of different things. So if you are curious more on, you know, literally what goes on behind the Sims, right? You see where it comes from now? Uh, definitely check that out. It's up on our YouTube channel. Um, it's up everywhere. You probably listen to your podcasts, uh, really cool stuff. I don't think anybody else in the industry is doing anything like that. So, um, I would definitely, uh, check that out and I'll have a new episode going live here today. Um, HC said, how's your golf lines? Did you get hit by any of the withdrawals? I didn't play golf this week. So wasn't thrilled with the field. Um, had a few other things, had a few other life things going on today. Didn't have, um, time to do the, the, the golf builds for this particular week. So, um, but it looks like it, uh, was, was carnage out there. So you could kind of sense that coming just with like, I mean, there were a lot of people that withdrew from this event leading up to lock. So makes sense. Uh, Dawn says, where's the best way to check weather conditions for MLB? I think Kevin Roth over at Roto Grinders has the best weather MLB weather product out there for DFS. So you can find it on their site, um, MLB and then MLB weather. And he'll break down the, any weather situations for every game on the slate. So it's been pretty quiet with weather for the past couple of weeks. Uh, main thing to note today is that we do have wind blowing out in Wrigley. So um, that's a, a pretty big factor. It's a very wind heavy park. Um, looks like wind's blowing out as well in uh, Braves and Phillies, which is interesting in a, in a game where I think people are going to be a little bit more interested in the pitchers interested to, to see how that shakes out. Um, yes, it is free. So Clay says, why are my projections not loading when trying to do a single game? Can you help please Clay on this stream? My options to troubleshoot like specific issues like that are kind of limited. Um, one thing I would recommend is trying a hard refresh. So hit control shift and R on your keyboard. Uh, and see if they load. If you are still having issues, our support team can do a lot more for you than I can do on this stream. So I would reach out to them. If you click settings and then click the report a problem link here, you can send the support team a a request for help basically. Uh, And they just get way more information than I I can get on this particular stream. And that's probably the easiest thing to do there. So, but that hard refresh again, control shift R does fix a lot of issues. So Eight game says, will, with, will a weather alert appear on Saversim in the future, similar to how uh, FC shows wind and rain chance? Um, maybe. I think it's an interesting idea. Um, I do think it would be kind of cool if we had like some kind of weather symbol up here for each of the games, showing you what the the weather situation was there. Um, so, I think that's a I think it's a good idea. I could see us adding something like that. Any other questions here for me on today's stream? Interesting slate here tonight um, where we have these these two early games. Um, it, the, I guess what's really interesting about it to me is that FanDuel and DraftKings are going to play so differently tonight where like it's it's kind of a big deal for, especially for this game to be on the slate with NOLA there. So interesting here that DraftKings did the seven game slate, FanDuel did the the five game slate. Also, I, I feel like I'm going crazy. I can't remember if I actually answered your question, Don, here, but yes, that weather dashboard is free over there. Um, and I think that's that's probably the best tool I've found for getting an idea of weather for each game on the slate. So 
it's never perfect. Predicting weather's hard. And, um, you know, one of the hardest things in baseball is that you're not just trying to predict what the weather's actually going to be. You're trying to predict what the teams are going to do, right? Like you don't, you want, you're not trying to figure out, you know, Hey, is it going to rain? You're trying to figure out like, is it going to rain and how much, and then what is the team going to do? Are they going to cancel the game? Are they going to late start? Are they going to try to play? So it's, it's always hard to figure that out. But, um, I, I think Kevin Roth does, a, does a really good job. So. Aaron says, stop adding, adding stuff. Price is going to go up. Now, new features are always good. We're all always hoping to make the, uh, always hoping to make the product better and better. So feature requests, always welcome on this show. Um, you guys come up with all kinds of things. You know, I have a process that you can, honestly, for those of you that watch the show every day, you guys are probably like very, very familiar, um, with, uh, with what my process looks like at this particular, at this point. Um, but it's good to hear, you know, people have different processes, different ways they use the tools. It's always good to hear requests for new features that, you know, I wouldn't have thought of um, because I, it's not necessarily something that I do or would use, but always good to hear that kind of stuff. Eight game said, uh, I've been forcing in four by four stacks on TK to lower lineup ownership. Are four stacks just simply less optimal? No, I'm, I think four fours can be great stacks to play. Um, I think, you know, five, three, like by sacrificing the five stack, you, so like, if you think about the theory of stacking, right. If we break this down on kind of like a theory level, if we look at the blue Jays, right. So when we stack the blue Jays and maybe you're, maybe you have, you know, Vlad in there as kind of the cornerstone of the stack and you have a five stack and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the top five guys here, right? So all of these guys are correlated to one another. Every additional player you add to the stack has has like an exponential correlation factor because they are they are not just correlated like it's not you know if you're talking about going from a four stack for the Blue Jays to a five stack and you're trying to decide if if you're going to add Tiascar Hernandez in there for example right it's it's not just that all of a sudden you're adding one more player that yes is also correlated to all of these other guys they're all also correlated more to each other, right? Because there's there's all this big combined web of correlations, right? Like the, the, the difference between adding the fifth player to a stack compared to the fourth player is way bigger than adding the second player than the first player because those they're all correlated to one another, right? That's, that's kind of like why, that's why, that's why you stack. Um, that said, I think four by four stacks are, are still totally fine to play. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but that's typically why the, the rule of thumb is to stack as big as you can, because they, because you get increased returns as you stack more and more, not, not decreased returns. You get, you get bigger, you get bigger correlative effects, the larger and larger your stacks are. So, um, Don says, I've had some success with four by fours. Does it make sense to add a four by four rule? I, I mean, on the, on the flip side there, I wouldn't force a hundred percent four, four stacks or anything like that. Um, right. Cause then you're, you know, you're limiting your lineup constructions to a very narrow range of construction, right? You're forcing the maximum correlation, especially on a seven game slate, like tonight in a large field GPP, you know, how is it, how likely is it that the, the lineup that takes down one of those contests is going to be a perfectly four stacked two perfectly four stack teams. It's definitely possible. I just don't know if I would want to force it. Now I do think I would probably, I probably wouldn't want to play any lineups that have smaller than a four stack period. I would probably want at least a four stack in every lineup for me. Um, but I don't know if I would force a four by four rule. So did FanDuel drop the five cent mini? I don't believe so. Should be there. I think I'm, I think I entered for it. So it should be there. I did see in Slack a few people were talking this past week about how they weren't seeing that contest in the lobby. And I don't I don't know what's going on there. I enter on my I enter for some reason I've gotten in the habit of entering on my phone most of the time. It's like one of the first things I do every morning. Um, but it should be there. Mm, let's see. Yep. It's there. So eight game says I copy you and set a four stack rule. Yeah. And Sabersim will sometimes find like these Sabersim will sometimes build you. If you don't do that, it'll build you lineups that have like maybe a three, three, two 
And I think those are interesting. I think there's like actually a pretty interesting argument to like a, a three, three, two stack or something like that. Um, you know, I just haven't been able to buy in on that totally yet. I still, I, I still just like seeing those at least a four stack in every lineup. So I like the, I, I like, I like having a four stack, but I think that's, I, I think I'm partially falling victim to a heuristic there that maybe isn't super accurate. That is one of the things that we actually want to do some analysis on, on one of our behind the Sims episodes of like, how important is it to actually, you know, how, how viable is a three, three, two stack in 5% of your lineups, right? You know, is it, is it, is it absolutely crucial to avoid those kinds of lineups? How big of a deal is it actually? So something we want to do a little more research on, but Edward, Edward says, I believe that Roto grinders put that in the premium only users now. Let me see. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that's free. Um, let me double check. Yeah, no, it's free. You don't need a. You don't need a. You don't need to be a premium mem member to get Kevin Roth's dashboard. So the Weather Edge thing that they offer, right? They offer this Weather Edge product. That is a paid product, but the the dashboard is free. So, yeah, so Don makes a good point. Isn't stack size slate dependent? That's so that's that's exactly why I like want that's that's exactly why I think rigid stack rules are a mistake, right? Like you you wouldn't you wouldn't want to just force five threes on every single slate always because on you know on a small slate, on a three game slate, right? The lineup that takes down a large field GPP just because there's so fewer players in the player pool. Well, there's two things, right? One, if there's only six teams playing baseball, it's less likely that a five stack is even the optimal construction, right? Because you're, you're basically rooting. You basically need one of six teams to have a big ceiling outcome where it makes sense to build a five stack in, but two, since there's so much fewer players in the pool, it's more likely that the winning lineup in a large field GPP is going to be, it's going to include a lot of different players that all had individual successes in their individual games right? The optimal or the winning lineup might be a, a three, two, two on a 15 game slate, right? One, you have a way better chance of one team having a massively high performance and making a five stack logical, but two with all of those different players in the pool, it doesn't take getting that close to the optimal, the actual optimal scoring lineup to win a large field GPP. So you can rely on correlation a little bit more and, and build five, three stacks. So yes, stack size is very heavily slate dependent. Uh, in terms of, and, and that's why I don't like, that's why I would, I would exercise caution with your stacking rules if you're setting them and, and use a stacking rule that gives you flexibility, right? Like I think something like this is fine because this still gives you a ton of flexibility. It's saying you can build four stacks, you can build four twos, four two twos, four threes, four fours, five stacks, five twos, five threes. You get all of these different construction types. But if you went in and do this, right, you are being very opinionated about what types of stacks the builder can build. And you're not allowing any of that slate specific nuance to, to come into play there. So Aaron says, but it's still a chance of random one-offs to win a GBP right on a big slate. Yeah, absolutely. But like, imagine, so think about it like this, right? So imagine some guy that's building a lineup and he's building a lineup and every single hitter in his lineup is a one-off. Now imagine, imagine like, how likely is that player to get it right if there are only two games on the slate versus if there are 15 games on the slate, right? It's way harder to get it right. You have to be right about way more when there's 15 games on the slate than when there's two on the slate, right? Like your odds of just like from a probability standpoint. That's kind of part of the gamble you're making when you make a big 5-3 stack on a 15-game slate is you're basically saying, like, I don't need to get every player right. If I can get if I can get the right two teams right out of 30, right? It's I'm gonna I'm gonna do pretty well. But getting the two teams right when there's only six six teams or four teams playing baseball, that doesn't help you that much. So Willie said it's but it's near impossible choosing those one-offs correctly. So easier to take a, a stack on a big slate. Exactly. 
Right. That's exactly, exactly what I'm, I'm trying to say. Don says, I've often used a rule with four on the same team and been very successful. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a fine and flexible stacking rule that, that will work most of the time. Um, if you play really small slates, like two game slates, three game slates, I think that those, even that size of stack can start to break down a little, but, um, I think that's a good, I think that's a decent rule of thumb there. So what else, what else is going on? Any other questions here for me today? Um, Eagle says in the wiffle ball contest on FanDuel, how many starting pitchers do you have in your player pool? Um, on a seven game slate like today. Well, okay. So, oh, oh, it's a five game slate on FanDuel. So these, these questions are hard to answer because they miss a ton of slate nuance. So I, I would say this, I'm never, I'm never going to be the type to remove pitchers from my pitching pool before the build. I will almost certainly, uh, you know, I will almost certainly keep everybody in my pool and kind of see how things shake out when I build my lineups. Above and beyond that, it depends a ton on the slate. I would say most slates, I'm going to get exposure to a lot of different pitchers on a slate like tonight where there's not a lot of good pitchers to play. I might be pretty concentrated on, well, there's no NOLA on FanDuel. So I might be pretty concentrated on Gilbert and Musgrove. Uh, but I'm not going through and curating a pitching pool. That's not the way I like to play. I like to leave everybody in my pool. I like, to, or at least most players in my pool, um, and build a pretty wide, wide pool of lineups. If you're interested in a way, if you're interested to ask to like, just kind of see, you know, what makes sense for this particular slate, I would just recommend building the lineups, right? So for this, it would be you would do 150 and more than 50,000 entrants, and just see how it shakes out. So. Um, Luke says, uh, thanks for answering my question earlier. Uh, just didn't think you were big on playing the five cent contest. Yeah, I, I don't, it's hard. I'm, I'm, it's a hard contest to win, but if you're, I, I still think you are getting so many more lineups in play by playing that seven, that, that five cent that it's hard not to take that. Right. So. I, I, let me put let me put it this way. I don't think there is anything wrong with what you had described. I think if you're going to stick to the quarter as the first contest you enter, I if if you're going to stick to the quarter, I would probably play a little bit more. I would like try to get to seven dollars and fifty cents worth of value into the quarter contest, and then fill in the rest with single entries and three max. Um, but Luke says, "What if I went to twenty five dollars per night?" Well, keep in mind, like, don't, I wouldn't just do that arbitrarily, right? Make sure that that still fits into your, your bankroll, what, what the bankroll you have available, right? You don't want, you still, the, one of the most important things with our profit plan is to not play more than 5% of your bankroll per night. So make sure that still fits in with those principles. But yeah, if you, I mean, if you go to $25 per night on FanDuel, I think you can have an easier time. It's easier to fit it all in because then you can play that. You can very easily play the 5 cent and then you would play probably another, I don't know, 50 entries into the 25 cent or something like that. You know, again, you'd want, you'd want 50 to 75% of your, um, you'd want 50 to 75% of that $25 in diversifiers. So what is that? That's, let's just calculate it. Um, that would be, so $12 and it'd be $12 and 50 cents to, Oops. Oh God. $12 and 50 cents to like $18 and 50 cents, somewhere in there full, full of contests that are 150 maxes. And then the rest would be your, your single entry and three max. So does that make sense? So you would play $7 and 50, you would max up the nickel and then you would play probably what let's do. Let's see. 1875. 1875 minus 750 divided by 25 cents, uh, 45 entries into the 25 cent and then fill in the rest of that $25 with your single entries. So just, 
Josh says KD just requested a trade. Yeah, it's pretty satisfying to me that the Brooklyn Nets experiment didn't work out personally. I uh, I like when I, I kind of like when super teams fail. Uh, Don said, notice that you didn't change the number of entrants when you do your builds. Any reason why? Uh, do I not? I normally try to actually be accurate to what I'm building for. So like for this, this question was particularly about the FanDuel Wiffle, which has like 250,000 lineups. So I, I said it there. Um, a lot of times when I'm building on DraftKings and doing demos here, I do it for, I like like to think about building for either the like quarter jukebox or the um, the $4 20 max or the, or the mini max is kind of how I often think about these. So a lot of times it just so happens that the 10 to 50K entrance is right there, but I try, I try to change it at least for, for what I'm building for. Um, it's possible I'll miss it sometimes. I mean, the one funny thing like the, you know, at the end of the day, all of the builds I run on this show are always just for example. So sometimes I get a little lazy, but I try to change it to what I'm actually building for. Philip said, uh, how much money does Saberson recommend leaving on the table? So our min salary, this value adjusts based on the size of the slate. Um, so it depends on, you know, it depends on the sport. It depends on the slate size. Uh, I, I would typically just recommend leaving this alone. Um, I I think this will this will generally give you a pretty good slate adjusted, sport adjusted min, minimum salary to use for your builds. For baseball, uh, salary does not really correlate that well with actual scoring, especially for hitters, right? Like the the salary just doesn't mean that much. So you can you can generally afford to leave quite a bit of salary on the table for for different slates. So. Yes, the Hawks are uh, very exciting this year now. I, um, I think that I think it's going to be interesting to watch Murray and Trey play together. Um, I I guess like they're going to play Murray at the two and let and let Trey like handle the ball, but I'm sure they're both going to handle it quite a bit. I don't know. It's just interesting. I I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. So. And and people have been saying like having Dejounte Murray on the court makes up for for Trey's uh, defensive issues, but I don't really know if that's like true. Like you still Trey still has to, I guess it makes the it makes the team defense better, but like Trey still has to guard somebody, and he probably has to guard the other team's point guard, right? Because he's I mean he's what like five five eleven. So I don't know, but I'm excited to watch him play too. Um, HC says, Jordan, do you play cash or also or just GPP? I don't play any cash. I would typically, I would typically recommend most people stay away from cash just because I think there's way softer money in GPPs. Cash is is it's a tough sport to make a profit in in 2022 just because like there's it doesn't get a lot of recreational interest. There's not a lot of casual players, and it's way too easy to build a good competitive cash lineup. Like you take any any popular sites projections and their optimizer and build the optimal lineup. And you've probably got like a, at least a decent competitive cash lineup. So um, that being said, I do think cash is probably still beatable in football just because there's so much recreational casual money coming in for football. Um, and I, Another thing on our list to do some analysis for on our behind the sim show is actually really researching it and seeing, you know, is cash viable? How, like, is it, is there actually any room for cash? But so Luke says, do you ever limit exposure in the first step? Not often, to be honest. Um, I don't. Now, if you are opinionated on how much exposure you want to a particular player before the build, I would recommend letting us know ahead of time because then we will build you a better pool of lineups that represents what you are trying to do. Like if you are looking at this slate and saying, I don't want to play a ton of NOLA no matter what, I want to maximum match the field, tell us before the build so that you don't just have a ton of NOLA lineups after the build that you have to go and get rid of. Um, but for me personally, I don't, I typically don't. I don't, I don't mess around with that too much. I do a lot of my adjustments after the build or, you know, in the form of editing projections based on what I find in my research build, right? Like if I find in my research build that I want to be a little bit like a little bit careful with my NOLA exposure tonight, I might 
maybe bring his projection down a little bit. Maybe Gilbert too, right? And do something like this. So they're not just like far and away the best two pitching options on the slate. Maybe there's a little bit more of a decision to be made there. Um, but I don't do a lot of exposure editing on the first step. So cool. All right. I'm going to leave it there for today. I will be right back again tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern for another show. We got a Friday slate coming up on us here. Enjoy the slate tonight. Two different versions of the same slate, it feels like. FanDuel five-game slate, seven-game slate over on DraftKings. Uh, Good luck in all of your contests here tonight. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, and I will see everybody here tomorrow. Take care.